Welcome here to the 11 o'clock service. And, oh yeah, I, uh, this is what I was going to say. I, usually I, I try and read the Bible every day as much as I can anyways. And as, usually what it ends up being a little bit every day. And so I'm just going to, I'm preaching out of what I'm reading, basically. I, I've been in Galatians. I've been in uh, Hebrews and Romans. And there's an underlying theme with pretty much all of those. And it's really talking about the simplicity of the gospel, how simple it really is and how we can often tend to complicate it. Um, and so and I've just been thinking about it, too, because we hear a lot these days about, like, you know, trying not to lose our freedoms. And I've realized, like, just reading through um, those books of the Bible that, like, you can live, actually, in the freest country in the world, but, act, but you, can, you can not be free from the inside out. In other words, you can build a barrier around yourself spiritually, no matter what your outside looks like. You can be unfree. You can be in bondage from the inside out uh, based on how you do this walk we call the Christian life. And that's what I've been reading about uh, a lot in Galatians and a few other places, Romans and Hebrews mostly, and wanted to speak about uh, today. So Paul is, I think it's Paul, writing in Galatians about, like, he's speaking to a church there that they're Christians and they've lost some freedom. So they were free, but then they've lost some freedom. And he's like, guys, don't go back into that. Like, you were at such a good spot and then you, and now you're here. You're losing your freedom. And he talks about it in uh, Galatians 5 verse 1. He says, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. So he's like, don't let go of it. Stand fast. Stay firm in that. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. And I mean, it gives us that picture of like a weight, like a burden that's like pushing them down. And they're like entangled again with this yoke of bondage, he calls it. And then he goes on in the next several verses of how to uh, remain free and how to get that yoke of bondage off of you. It's funny, when you read the next several verses, do you know what that is? How to get the yoke of bondage off of you? It's don't become circumcised. <laughs> That's what he says here in the Bible. It's like straight from the Bible. He's like, guys, don't become circumcised. If you become circumcised, you're going to have a yoke of bondage on you. And it's, it's like interesting talking about it now. Like, circumcision, there's nothing wrong with circumcision one way or the other. Like, we don't even think about it. But it was such a big deal in that, in that time. Some parents, maybe you'll have some kids asking you what circumcision is after this message. I remember when I first, I grew up reading the Bible, and I kept coming across this word, circumcision. I was like, Mom, what is circumcision? When she told me, I was like, that is the last thing I would have guessed. <laughs> Jared, you were asking about a title. Maybe it could be, don't be circumcised. <laughs> that would get a lot of clicks. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that doesn't need to be the title of the sermon. But well, that's Paul's message here. He's like, guys, don't become circumcised. You're going to lose your freedom. We can read it here. In the next several verses, he says, Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. And that's his point right there. And it doesn't need to be circumcision. It's not circumcision nowadays. It's, we don't even, it's not something we even bring up. But in their day, that's what it was. But it just makes me think, like, what extra thing am I putting on my life that's actually like the gospel or it's like faith 
but this other thing that is like a like a, a point to becoming a Christian. In their day, that's what it was. It was circumcision. That was the uh, that's how it started. It was a way of setting themselves apart for God. But then when Christ came, it changed everything, and it was by faith. And so Paul's arguing with this group, and he's saying, "Guys, you're you're making you're you're complicating the gospel." By, through this whole thing of circumcision. And we can often complicate it by, like, anything. I mean, there's just so many different things we can do that, like, uh, we can apply to our own lives that aren't meant to be applied to our lives, and it complicates the gospel, and it actually it, it stops the grace of God from coming at us, and we can lose our freedom. Uh, Hebrews 4, verses 1 and 2, talks about this rest. And it talks about how, like, God, after his labors, he entered into this rest. And he says in the same way, like, we can stop from striving and enter into this rest. But you can actually miss it. Like, you can, you can miss this rest if you don't mix faith with it. He says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as... Uh, as to us as well as to them. So he's like, we both heard the same word. We both heard the same thing, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So they didn't have that faith element. It was just a, you know, in a sense, they, they missed that. And you can create, you, you can... You can create a gospel where it's like you're missing the faith of it and you overcomplicate it by, by different to-do things and it can cause you to actually miss what God has for you here. And so that's what he's been bringing me through is just like how simple the gospel really is. And there's, there's really like when I, I was reading through the story of the prodigal son, probably most of you know the story, but just a quick recap, it's where this, there's this father, uh, looks like he's fairly wealthy, uh, he has two sons actually, and the one son wants to just take his share of the inheritance early and leave, and so the father gives him his share of the inheritance, he leaves, and then he spends it all, wastes it all, and then gets to the point where like he has nothing, and he's feeding the pigs, it's like, it seems like he has like the worst job, and he's almost starving to the point where he like wants to eat what the pigs are eating that he's feeding. And then eventually he comes back home to the Father. The Father welcomes him with open arms. And I see two ways to lose your freedom in that story. There's the way that the prodigal son lost his freedom, where he went so far out, where he just, like, he went and just did whatever he wanted to do, in a sense where he stopped the grace of the Father from flowing to him because he was, he was far away doing his own thing. But then there's the whole other side, where there's the, there's the other son. And we often forget about the other son. And to be honest, the other son most of the time is is me I mean that's who I um, relate with the most is the second son um, and then there's that second son who like thinks that he's doing everything right and because of what he does he, he's like earning the love of the father and the father's like no you don't earn my love like I love you whether you're this son or whether you're this son there's nothing you can do to make me love you more and for me personally like I struggle with like I grew up in church. I feel like I, I, I lived a pretty good life, and I catch myself like, like counting God's love towards me based off of my works and what I've done. And uh, that's, that's something like we often, we, it's easy for us to look at the other son, but then we miss the one that's, that's right there in the end. Uh, you ever hear this story? This story has always kind of bothered me a little bit, and uh, it's the story of, uh, the workers in the field where this boss like hires all these workers for a day and he's, he pays the 
He starts in the beginning of the day, and he pays a worker a certain amount. I don't know what that amount is. And then an hour or two later, another worker comes, and he pays, or he doesn't pay anyone until the end of the day. He just says, work, and I'll pay you. And so another worker comes, and he starts working for him halfway through the day, and somebody else comes. Near the end of the day, somebody else comes. And so there's people who have been there working for this guy for the whole day, and there's people who have been there for half the day, and there's people who have been there for like an hour. And at the end of the day, he pays them all the same thing. That story always kind of annoyed me, because I was like, it's not fair. You know, like, the ones that worked there the whole day should, should have gotten more. But it's not the point of the story. The point of the story is like it doesn't matter what you do you can't earn the grace of God to a certain point where like you work hard enough and he'll give you he'll give you what he doesn't give somebody else this is something that he's decided long ago that there is grace for you there's forgiveness for you no matter where you come at it in life no matter what you've done like the love of the father is there for you um He's already forgiven us. Like that's he's he's forgiven us when he died on the cross. And this is just the beauty, the simplicity of the gospel, where before you were even born, God decided to forgive you. Knew you were gonna mess up and just decided to forgive you. In 1 John 2 2, it says, and he himself, speaking about Jesus, is the propitiation, I always stumble over that word, for our sins. We'll say atonement for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So he is the atonement that word atonement means like a covering like he covered it he took care of it for our sins not for just the people here but for everyone in the world the bible calls him a second adam so just as adam we know you know adam brought you know the fallen nature into the world just as that happened and affected everybody after that christ brought forgiveness into the world and it's there for everyone after that including us he forgave us long before we were even born we just simply need to receive it and he doesn't run out of forgiveness like he's already forgiven us he's just simply waiting for us to receive it it's changed the way that I've witnessed that whole thought let's put ourselves for me you know, I put myself in the story of the uh, of the prodigal son let's say that we're just an extra character in the story all right and we come across the son that is feeding the pigs he's feeding the pigs he's almost starving what do you tell him you know what would you tell that son in order, if, if you were to be like a good witness, a representation of the Father, what would you tell him? I would tell him, did you know that your father, every evening, looks out towards the horizon, waits by the gate for you to come home? He's actually waiting for you to come home. He doesn't care what you've done. He wants you to come home. He's ready to receive you in. You just have to go home. You just have to come home. I think that's what people need to hear. I, I, I went through this whole class growing up where it was like a how to witness class. And in that class, we like, I can't remember when it was or even a whole lot of details about it. But they taught us like we, we were put in more of like a courtroom setting. And in that class, we would, let's say I come across somebody on the street. I, I, I'm going to, what was recommended is I asked them these yes and no questions like, have you ever, first of all, you're, you're looking for them, you're looking for them to make a mistake, you're looking for them to admit to a sin, like, have you ever lied, have you ever stolen, have you ever cheated, and eventually, you know, we've all messed up, so you'll find them somewhere, and when you do, when you get a yes on one of those answers, and it's like, okay, so... Since you've done that, you have the wrath of the Father over you. You need to repent and be, uh, you know, repent and receive the salvation um, in order to come back into, in order to make heaven, in a sense. And like I, that's how I grew up with. But now I'm like, if I put myself in the story of the prodigal son, and if I was talking to that son, he knows he messed up. 
He, he doesn't need me drilling him saying, have you ever done this wrong? Have you ever done that wrong? Have you ever done that wrong? No, he knows he messed up. You know what he needs to know? He needs to know that the Father is there waiting for him at the end of every day. He's waiting at the gate, waiting for him to come home. That's what most people, I've realized, they just need to know. They know that they've messed up. They don't need me drilling them, trying to figure out where they've, where they've done something wrong. They need to know that God's there waiting for them. And then if I put myself also in the, like if I moved over to the son, who's the one who's working hard, he's, he's doing what he can to uh, please his father, the one who didn't, who's not the prodigal son, but the one who's at the farm, I would tell him the same thing. I would tell him, you know what, your father loves you just the same as he loves his other son. He's got, he, it doesn't matter what you do. Yes, you can work hard. You can, you can work hard to please your father. That's great. But in the end of the day, your father loves you no matter what. He loves you. He's waiting for you just to come home and accept his love. And it's the same story no matter where you are. So it's changed the way, like, I've thought about this whole thing. If I come across someone or if I'm trying to, trying to just relay the love of the father, um, there's this quote by a guy named Tom Crandall. He says, evangelism is really simple. It's not a platform, a style, or a personality. It's a grace, the overflow of a heart that's been conquered by love. When my heart was conquered by love, I, it just changed the way I, I thought about, you know, the love of the Father for myself and then for everyone else. Where that's, that's really where it starts. It's your, it's your heart becoming conquered by his love. And then it's, from there on, it's not necessarily a method, a style, or a personality. It's just the overflow of that. I know that the Father loves me so, so much. And because of that, I know, I know he loves you so, so much. I did nothing. There's nothing I could have ever done to earn his love. There's nothing you can ever do to earn his love. On, uh, this is something that, like, you know, you can, you can live your life as a Christian, and you can, you can be bound in this whole thing of legalism or lawlessness, and you can, you can miss this whole thing like what we see in Galatians. And it's something that, like, I feel like God's been opening up to me more and more. Like, just the gospel is so, so simple. It's you, you have an opportunity to live in freedom. And it's just simply receiving the forgiveness and the love that the Father has. There's nothing you can do to earn it. And on there's this holiday that I didn't even, I didn't know was a holiday. It just recently became a holiday, but I didn't even really uh, know about this date. But it's the date of June 19th. This is um, a holiday, just recently declared a holiday. It's been called uh, by some, this is just me Googling it and looking into it some more, uh, America's Second Independence Day. And what happened on that day, it was on June 19th in 1865 that Union soldiers led by General Gordon Dranger landed in Galveston, Texas with news that the war had ended and that all slaves were free. So on that date, June 19th, June 19th, 1865, there was, it was when they landed right there and said, all slaves are free. But the crazy thing is, is that even though that was the official date when all slaves were free, a lot of slaves weren't free. A lot of slaves weren't free until years after that because a lot of reasons they didn't know, the word didn't reach to them, or they just weren't released. The masters weren't letting them go. And it took a long time for this to actually happen. It, and so it's the same thing for us. I feel like there's so many people that, like, they're living their life, they're doing the best they can, but they don't know that they can actually live in a way that's free. They don't know that there's actually more, and it's just simply realizing that you are free. And I think that's where Paul just keeps harping on over and over again to the Galatians in Romans and in Hebrews. He's telling them, guys, you are free. There is nothing you can do to earn your freedom. You're free right now. That's why he's like, don't get circumcised. You get circumcised, you think you earned your freedom through that. And there's so many other things. He's just, you just have to accept the freedom 
that you are free. <laughs> accept the realization that you are free. And when you realize that, it changes your level of confidence. It changes how you approach praying for people. It changes how you approach receiving prayer. I, you know, every time we've got camp meetings or something like that, I never feel like I'm up for praying for people, to be honest. I never feel like I've had a good enough week. I never feel like I've done all the right things. But I just have to like mentally push past that and say, no, I, I am someone loved by the Father. His love is not based off of what I do or my performance. I expect him to speak through me. First John talks about it in verse 5. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, so that's the trick, that's the key right there. It's like if we know that God hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. In other words, we know that we're going to receive what we ask. But it starts with realizing that God actually hears us. And a lot of people think that God doesn't hear them because they think they don't deserve to be heard. And there's nothing you can do to actually deserve to be heard. It's just God is a loving Father. He hears you. He hears you. And it's just through simply faith and receiving the grace that he has for you. So we're going to have, we did it a little bit, and I'd like to do it some more here. After the service, we've got like this side section over here just reserved for people who want to receive prayer. Nelson's around. I'm around. And if you want to receive prayer, if you want us to just pray over you and bless you, just come up to that circle. And um, we are going to expect God to speak through us, not because of how great of a week I've had, not because I've read my Bible every day, um, not because of you know, all the good things that I've done. I expect God to just speak through me simply because I'm his son, I'm loved by him, and I know he wants to touch you. You expect God to speak th to you, not because of how good your week was, not because of what you did or didn't do, but because you're his son or you're his daughter, and he is the loving father, and he wants to speak to you. It has nothing to do with how your week was. So if you're in a spot where you just simply want to receive a word from the Lord, you will never reach that point to where you had a good enough week to where you can come up here and receive prayer. Come up after this service and just let God show you his grace, show you his love, and show you how good of a father he really is. And we're just going to trust him and see what happens after that. There's this last quote. I'm going to end here pretty soon. We're going to end uh, somewhat or pretty early. Um, it says, religion says, oh, no, look what I've done. My dad is going to kill me. And relationship says, oh, no, look what I've done. Look what I've done. I need to tell my dad. <laughs> I just love that quote. It's something to leave you with. Like, God is such a loving father. He's there for you. And his love, his acceptance, his forgiveness towards you is already all in place. It's there waiting for you. It's not, there's nothing you can do to earn it or make yourself good enough. So if you're in any of those situations, if you if you're feel like you're the prodigal son that's out there feeding the pigs um, and you're just you know, waiting to work up enough to, in, to where you can receive the acceptance of the Father, it'll never reach that point. You just need to turn to the Father. He's there waiting for you. If you're the other son where you're like living the right life or you feel like you are and you're doing everything good, it's still not good enough. The love of the Father is not based off of that. His love is just simply love based on the fact that you are his son and you're his daughter. This is something that he's set in place thousands of years ago. His forgiveness is there for you, but it requires you coming home to the Father and receiving that forgiveness. That's the simplicity of the gospel. Can we stand? <clears throat> Let's do this. Let's just reach out our hands, close our eyes. And we'll just imagine, imagine grace being a something, being a substance or something. And imagine God just handing you, handing you grace. You don't deserve it. You don't earn it. There's nothing you can do to ever be good enough to get it. But he's, he's just giving you more grace, giving you more grace. God, I thank you so much. You're such a loving father. Lord, I thank you so much for what you did 2,000 years ago where you've decided, 
you decided, no, I'm going to be the, I'm, I'm going to forgive everyone, everyone that's, that's here on the earth, everyone that's coming on the earth, no matter what they've done. You've, you've placed that. You've set that seal. And God, we just need to come and receive that forgiveness. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here who hasn't received that forgiveness, Lord, guys, it's easy. You just simply step out and you say, God, I believe. I believe and I receive the forgiveness that you have for me. And that's the start. Jesus, we welcome you into our lives like I was praying earlier. We welcome you. Look into my life. Guide me, teach me, direct me. But Lord, let, never let me, if, if I'm ever at the point where I'm building a fence around myself, where I'm building a cage around myself through legalism, through lawlessness, one or the other, Lord, God, I pray that you'd show me that you'd open my eyes and that you'd, be, you'd have, you would bring a paw into my life. I think we all need a paw uh, so many times to our lives, that you would bring the right person to my life that would be able to, to, to bring me back. They'd be able to show me, no, no, this is, this is, not, something, it's simp- this is not something they should be going after. This is, the, the love of the Father is just simply receiving his love. Living in freedom is just simply receiving his love. <clears throat> Jesus, we love you. Walk beside us this week. Refresh us, grow us, stretch us, and rest us. Bless these people, Jesus. Bless their week. Amen. Amen.